On this episode of Missing the Point, we'll dive in and react to Marcus Smart signing a four-year, $77 million max contract extension to remain with the Boston Celtics. And we'll talk about if that changes the Boston Celtics mentality heading into the 2021 season and an expected big free agency market in 2022. This is Missing the Point, episode 79, but it's all relative. Welcome into Missing the Point, emergency podcast edition. I am your host, Sean Buchanan, with my guy, Money Mike. Mark D'Angelo, what's going on, man? I feel this show is going to be a lot of me eating crow, but I guess I'm ready for it. Well, no, I mean, I think that we, you know, we have some similar thoughts about what we're going to get into, but, you know, that's why we have the show and we can, you know, we can edit things out and put things in if we need, if, if need be. But yeah, you know, we have to die on, on that hill sometimes, so it's all good. But yeah, so... Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we're a New England set of the show and, you know, we have to talk about Marcus Smart. You can check out our TikToks by our wonderful producer, Craig D'Alessandro with that. So check, follow us at MTP show. That would be in the show notes. Yeah. So, you know, just try to get out there. So Marcus Smart, y'all, Marcus Smart is presumably here for another four more years. We made the post on Instagram. You know, it was a boy bomb. Sam also shed as well. So Marcus Smart has signed a four-year deal for $77 million. So I think he gets like 18 in like the first year. It's when it goes and it bumps up uh, incrementally each year. So Mike, you know, like I said, like we just said the numbers, four years, 77, you know, what were your thoughts about the deal? So like it, love it, hate it. Well, I think uh, we should first acknowledge the fact that on the last time that we talked about this deal and Marcus Smart, I said, Marcus, you ain't a $20 million a year player. Sorry. Turns out that that's intellectually honest. He's not, but this, they overpaid. I, I think he does bring a lot to the Celtics. I think that his mentality, his defense, those are all great, but it feels like to me that the point guard position is actually a position of strength for the Celtics now. And that wasn't the case before. I think one of the things that I do like uh, about this deal is that it does not include a player option. And I even think that there is a, is it a 15 or 18% kicker if a trade is executed? So that tells me that they wanted him. They didn't want to lose him, but they still, I think Marcus Smart is more valuable to the Knicks as someone who is under contract for the next four years, as opposed to someone who was on the last year of his deal. Because at the trade deadline in this upcoming season, now you can say you're going to get four and a half years of him as opposed to just a half a season. So I like it in that sense. I think it was a little too rich. I think the initial reports were that they were looking for a four-year $68 million deal. He was looking for a four-year $80 million deal. So all sides to me, and I, and I could be wrong, points to the fact that he's not going to finish the this deal with the Celtics. If, if that's the case, then I like it, but I, I still think that, that it's too, too steep of a price. Yeah, no, I think that's totally understandable, right? Um yeah, I think, you know, obviously Fournier basically signed for the same amount in New York. Like I said, we'll, we'll touch on that deal shortly. But, you know, I, I think, you know, listen, there's no one that swings the pendulum for Celtics fans more than Marcus Smart, right? You know, you either really, really love him or you really, really can't stand him. Like my, my friend Leo, who, who listens to the show, Leo, you know Leo, so he went to Dean. Um, Leo cannot stand Marcus Smart. He thinks he's a joke of a player. You know, basically, he felt like Brad kind of just well, let the reins loose on him and it was able, unable to kind of pull him back in. So 
he, he's been out on Marcus Smart for a long time. So, you know, and I get it, right? He, he, make, he does some plays and you're just like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? Then you have some plays where you still say, what are you doing? But it's like, wow, like only Marcus Smart on this team would have made that type of play. So, I mean, I don't hate the deal. I mean, actually, I don't love that uh, he's getting 19, 19 and a half million a year around there. Well, I'm not in love with that. So I guess I can say like, but I like it with the condition, right? So it was always, love, love is always conditional, right? You know, I like it slash love it if, like I said, that's in the deal for Bradley Beal or somebody else that's coming here as that third piece to pair with Tatum and Brown. And someone said, oh, you know, well, now it was more of a movable contract. Well, it was movable at 14. Like, I just think they didn't want that weighing on him going into the season because we also, we all know what type of, He's a head case. Yeah, yeah. And that in, in that case, yeah, they'd be like, oh, so yeah, so you're not gonna you're not gonna look out for me when you looked out for XYZ. So that type of thing. So yeah, so I, I listen, I get it. And it was smart of Brad's have Brad have to do that, in my opinion. I still think I think like the, like the whole argument of, of the fact that it's a more movable contract now is it's just based on the term of it, right? It would be hard to get a team to get a good return if you're the Celtics for trading him just for a half half a season left. If assuming that you trade him at the, at, at the trade deadline. Now you have a years on this. So Marcus Smart now is worth what you think he is. You should get that back in return. I think he's a tone setter. And I think he's one of the biggest enigmas in the league. You know, as far as for me, for a fan, I love him for all the reasons that I hate him. I love him for, for his miraculous third quarter three-point shots. I hate that it took him 12 shots to get to that point. Do you know what I mean? He, he is a tone setter. I think sometimes he's also, he, he's illustrated that his head isn't exactly where it needs to be. I think the case in point is when Peyton Pritchard hit that game-winning layup last season, and you still have Marcus Smart arguing with the official about the call that happened to him right before. Like, listen, your team won. That's all that really matters. But I think for a team on the cusp of winning a championship, you need to look at Marcus Smart. I don't know that the Celtics are that. And I don't think that he is the third piece of a big three here. So, so maybe you move him. Like, but again, for all the, all that he has brought to the Celtics, he should be commended. But I, I think he's, I think he's out, I think we've outgrown him or he's outgrown us. I think we outgrew him far as thinking that he was, we, we kept him in a box, right? It was like, you know, keep him on the bench, you know, you know sporadically, you get you four or five threes. After taking eight. Right, after taking eight, but people can't, people, you know, they couldn't forgive that play because no one was last year when you throw, you know, you throw the ball when you really should have had a 24 second thing and he throws it from 60 feet. You know, there's, there's just other plays, you know, the pushing Joel beat a few years ago. People were mad about that. I mean, you know, I was here for that because I'm like, MB to me was acting like a little, as a little soft at that time, but, you know, but, you know, fans were mad about that. So and I keep saying this and I'm going to say it on every show that we talk about Marvin Smart. He is RJ Mar Green. But Celtics fans, including myself, are only upset is because we haven't won. If we won two or three times by now, no one would say shit about Marcus Smart. You don't say shit about Jamar Green. Because, because Jamar has won three times, no one talks about 2016 or the fact that he drove Kevin Durant out of Golden State. I'm telling you, if they had not won, Golden State fans, NBA fans alike, because NBA fans are bandwagoners for the most point now, would have been on Jamar Green's head because of things that's happened. But because they won, it, it, it excuses a lot of shit that goes on. It's not that they won. They won three. 
That's what no, that, that's what I'm saying. If we were one, two, or three, they wouldn't they wouldn't say shit about they won one. We still talking about Kevin Garnett in in, in 15 years, 14 years later. So just win one up here and, and you're forever extra stone. So that's what I'm saying. Because he's not because they have not won yet as a whole, and you know, he's made boneheaded plays. You know, they have like he's the only one, but you know, it is what it is. You know, he's the only one that made the boneheaded plays, apparently. You know, what you know, we talked about in our group chat. There's, there's plenty of times he's the one that's tried in the game. My, my question would be, if he is as good as we think he is, right? And if his supporting cast, not early on, not 2014, but what, let's say from 2017 on, is as good as we think they are, shouldn't he have at least elevated them to a finals run? Yeah, I, I mean, that that's a fair assessment to ask. I mean, yeah, he and he was the number six pick, so you think that a top 10 pick eventually can help you get there, but every top 10 pick does not max out to be a Tatum or a Brown. You know, he's more in the, and I hate to put him in this category, but it's the first guy I thought of. He's more of a Kirk Heinrich type guy. For those who don't know who Kirk Heinrich was, he was the number seven pick in 2003 out of Kansas. Then was the Chicago Bulls, and, you know, someone that played 12, 13 years, very, very good with the basketball, decent shooter, really good on defense, very heady player, right? So that's the kind of guy Marcus Smart is. He's a little bigger, as he's a lot bigger than than, than Hyrick, but that's the kind of guy that he's become. And that's okay because those guys play in the league a long, long time and they can be valuable members to teams that win on a consistent basis. They just have to get to the finals, right? But it's like, it's on him, but it's also on Jalen. It's also on uh, on Jason, you know, it's really, you know, it's on Al. So it's on other guys that help obviously get there. He just can't be someone that says, okay, well, because they're not trying, I'm going to take over and have this irrational confidence, confidence like J.R. Smith. Like that as a fly up here. That's cool if you do that shit in Cleveland or in Indiana, you know, in places that they're not going to care as much. But here in Boston, when, you know, they jump down your throat, if you don't win immediately because we're, we're super sport we all, we've all admitted to this, it, it then becomes a problem. If he's some, if, if Ime Yudoka could get him to shoot 37%, that's a win this year. I know someone from the three, not from the field. 37 for three. Remember that. Remember, I remember that game a couple years ago against Phoenix when he hit 11 threes. Like he's had some games. He's already in the top 10 of Celtics made three. It's top 10. Not, not, you know what I'm saying? So that, that's legit. Like top 10, like, yeah, he's going to pass Antoine pretty soon. So I'm like, yo, like, this is not, this is someone that's gotten increasingly better as a shooter every year for the most part. Everything that you just said tells me that he's not as good as we thought he was, or, or he would just be better suited somewhere else. So here's what I think. And I could be complete. And please roast me if I'm wrong. I think had they got to a finals, he would have been the reason why they won the finals, right? So he could be a Cedric Maxwell type. Uh, a, a, a finals MVP that's always often overlooked that that would have been a key contributor but the fact that he alone and it's a daunting task but with the supporting cast at times of Jalen Jason Kyrie Al all the others he could not be the reason that that they got over the hump my my gut tells me is that he's not the guy here he can't even be the guy, like the second guy or the third guy here. Now, are you telling, like, if you add into a team like the Lakers or like Miami or like someone like that that has a rock solid core that cannot be thwarted, then yes, I think he would be the perfect piece here. I think, I, and I, I don't have any personal relationship with Marcus. So I, I just, I want to say that first. I think he's still struggling with the fact that he's not the third member of the big three. And I think that's plagued him over the last couple of years. So 
this contract is good for him. Great. It's only good for the Celtics in my estimation if they get something. Right. And, and this is the thing, right? Babe, there's been times when he's been the reason they've won playoff games, right? 2017 conference finals, game three. They're down 2-0. They're getting smacked on the road in game three. IT, I think, is already down. IT was hurt already by that time in the series. They got blown out game two. He he go, he hit seven threes in game three, and they win on the Avery Bradley game winner, right? But they won because Marcus Smart balled out that night. Last year in the bubble game, you know, I, I think it was game two. He has five threes. In the third quarter against Miami to bring them back, yep. No, no, that, that was against Toronto. Oh, no. oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm just like, so... This moment, and I'm going to say there's more that comes to my mind. Like I just talked about 11, excuse me, threes against twos. That was in the regular season. But there's moments that he's had, even against Philadelphia, right? I remember getting that steal at the end of the game. I think on Ben Simmons, like at the end of the game, and I put him to the touch the series. So there's other little moments that he's had that, you know, he brings certain tangible to the team. The problem is his good has not outweighed his bad lately. And that's why fans are just, you know, like Leo and somebody I know just over it, right? However, his best moments have come where he's been the primary guard. So, and I think he likes to say he's been clamoring for that, right? He's been clamoring, like, look, yo, I could start. Like, and I brought this up, I think, on the show we did with uh, Jose Bavone. And, you know, you can find it in the show notes. Thanks, Greg. You know, we talked about how when, <laughs> we talked about when, you know, Marcus Smart was inserted to the lineup a few years ago. I think it was the 2018, 2019 year, the year that, you know, we didn't, you know, did, didn't get past, get past the second round. But they were 10 to 10 and, you know, 20 days into the season. Brad says, okay, you know what? We're going to start, you know, we're going to start Marcus next to Kyrie and, you know, took him off the point guard responsibilities. And that team immediately won eight straight, right? So he can get you six to seven assists a night if he's locked in. But I think that's on EMA. That's on, you know, the whole Damon Stoudemire. That's on this new coaching staff to say, hey, you know, this team functions better when you're being that playmaker. Because he's still the best playmaker on the team. People can say what they want about, what Tatum and Brown do, and I get that. Tatum and Brown have to be better playmakers in order for this team to function at its highest level. That's out the debate. We get that. But number 36 guard from Oklahoma State, <laughs> from Texas, <laughs> he is our best playmaker. So deal with it, honestly. Deal with it at that moment. My question to you, though, is even, even, that, even in that scenario that you just outlined for us, where he played side-by-side side with Kyrie and they won eight straight up to starting 10-10, and 10, mm-hmm. he's still not the third option. Right, but no, but it, he he doesn't need to be in, in this regard, and I understand that he he may want to be, but once again, that's all he made. You have to say that, hey, man, like it was better if you could get us twelve to six. I'm fine with that, but not looking to shoot to get seventeen and five, eight. You don't need to be what Hayward was. You just you need to be you. So if you can get twelve points, six assists, four rebounds, two steals. That's perfect for us because Tatum and Brown will get you 20 a night a piece. That's in there. And truth be told, even, even Al Horford, people will say about Al, Al Horford's boss. Hey, when he was down there at Oklahoma City last year before they sat him down because they, they was, he was helping them win too much, he was still getting what he averaged his whole career, which is 15 and 7. He was still getting that. So you can still pestle him in for that. And he's also, he now he becomes a secondary ball handler because he's someone that can pass on the top of the key, someone that can see over the double team. So they're, they're going to be better with assists. Clearly, that's they're emphasizing that because they're talking about that at Summer League. I know, and once again, I know it's Summer League, but to get a bunch of young guys that are fighting for an, fighting for an opportunity, to have them pass the ball and get 33 assists in the game, lest we know they're preaching from the first man to the 20th man, move the ball, or your ass is not going to play on this Boston Celtics team. So, and Emei Udoka said it in his press conference, you were 28th in ball movement. That's going to be a point of emphasis. So, 
if the proof is in the pudding so far, even with the summer league team, I think it's going to seep right into what we're going to see in training camp and going into the regular season. So that, that's just where, where I'm at with that. But like I said, listen, Marcus Smart as a playmaker really is the best version. Like that's, that's the best version of him. And that would be the best version of the, of the Celtics team if he's leading that in that regard until you find something better. So for this team right now, how it's currently constructed, he's the guy for that job. Regardless of what people think or, or not think, he's still a hell of a defender when he's locked in. And he he had a he he I think he had Cobra last year. He had that, that leg injury or whatever. So there was things that he was hampered by. The whole damn team was hampered by injuries for the most part. So hopefully we finally get to a point this team can be freaking healthy and uh and function at, at his highest level. Gun to your head though, Ray. Is was this contract more about keeping him a Celtic or making sure that the return that they get on a trade for him? Both. It's both. I think it's both. Yeah, they both. Which way do you weigh though? Like again, does he finish out his term here, or is this to make sure that they get what they actually think they deserve for him? Honestly, I think if they can, because the the language they've had around him this this semester, I'm already in teacher mode. Not this semester, this off season. Sorry, <laughs> so, so, such a teacher. This semester, get the syllabus out because class definitely is a session, right? Hopefully, class right. is the session this season, right? Learn a right? Yeah, one 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 on one. But ball movement one on one by Ime Udoka, future and Marcus Smart. No, I think it was maybe more so I'd lean towards them wanting him to be a Celtic because they kept saying, you know, he's a foundational piece and, you know, he's a big part of what's going on here. So I do think his ego needs to be stroked a little bit, obviously, as most professional athletes do. Like I said, once again, they are human beings. Oh, they get paid millions of dollars. Okay. And you get paid $50,000 or $100,000, your ass still needs to get your ego stroke. So it, it is what it is. Like, we, we're human beings. Like, we desire to be, to be adored and admired and, you know, and, and, and doted after. So that's what that's what's going on with that. But I still think at some point that, you know, if it's not working, um, then they may move them. But at the same time, if they can find a way to get Beal or somebody else without having um, to move smart and you now... You know, you add even more depth by having that. He's another piece off the bench. And, you know, hopefully guys like Prish and other guys get better. Now you're back to that level that you were in that 2017, 2018 year. So we'll see what happens. But I think that's a good segue into what I wanted to talk about next, right? So as we know, Evan Fournier is now with their New York Knicks. He also signed a deal similar to Marcus Smart. We've got four years, 78 mil. And actually, we find out later today, I mean, earlier today, excuse me, as we recorded this on the Tuesday, Adam Hemmelboss, I'm probably maybe saying his name wrong, I reported it first. I saw on Twitter that the Knicks and Celtics had done a sign and trade for, well, sorry, had completed, excuse me, had completed a trade for uh, Evan Fournier. So because of that, they've now been created a 17.1 million a trade player exception. So now on the docket, they currently have Fournier trade exception with a 17.1. Tristan Thompson's who went over to Sacramento for 9.7 mil. And they have the Tyson's trade exception, which is now at $5 million. So Mike, the question I want to ask you is, do you think that TPEs will be a point of emphasis, not just for the Celtics, but teams in the NBA going forward? I mean, I... I I, I think that it's a smart negotiating tactic, and in that vein, then yes, I, I think it will be. I think that the, that they're thrown out there a lot, and I don't know that a lot of teams use them to the to their maximum ability that they should. I think Celtics here now have a really good uh, option to pick up one or two excellent, not excellent, but but really good role players for this team that that can help them excel. But to your original point, the TBE the condition in a trade. Is smart, but how you execute is the most important thing, right? So, you know, it's great that we have the seventeen point one million dollar trade exception for Evan Fournier. Great, 
But if you don't do anything with it at the trade deadline or, or next offseason, then what? Then it was for nothing. So I think, in my opinion, th- the fact that they executed this shows me that the, that, that the franchise has faith that Brad will do something with it. Because they wouldn't have tried, they, they wouldn't have done this if they didn't have a next step in motion. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, it's a great move, but it, it's only great if you execute on it. Right. So, so leaning on that, you kind of touched on it a little bit already, but let's d- dive a little deeper into it. So, like I said, just for the listeners, want to bring it back to y'all again. So, we got three, diff- three different exceptions, 17.1, 9.7, and also 5 million. They cannot be combined for any players, so they have to be used as separate deals. You know, just a quick list, you know, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but, yo, is there a quick list of some guys that you think could fit under that that you would even want uh, to come to Boston this season? Yeah, I have two. And so the, the reason why I, I was really thinking about this, my, my main focus for the Celtics team is based on all the inefficiencies that we saw last year, which was bench defense and scoring. So in that day, for scoring, I think Joe Ingles, I think he's the. I think he's a great. I, I think he's a great fit for this team. Utah is already way above the luxury tax, so they have to offload salary. So it would behoove them to do it. Ingles uh, averaged twelve uh, twelve points a game. I think three rebounds and five assists last year. So bench scoring, that's perfect. That, that that's what I would do. And then in terms of more of a defensive force, but with offensive prowess, I'd love Kyle Anderson. I think he's. I think he's an, another another great player. For and when I say great, I mean in the context of this role. Again, last year, twelve and a half points a game, six rebounds, four assists, but he also averaged two steals a game. So that's what you need. He was also a lockdown perimeter defender, and Memphis is the the right team to to negotiate with. So I think. Now you might look at those those instances and say, okay, well they're both small forwards or power forwards, right? They're, so that's redundant. I think point guard is really strong for this team right now. I think bench forward play has been a liability for the last couple of years. So you need to do whatever you need to do to make sure that, that you have good scoring and good defense. Because I think the combination at center uh, between Horford and Time Lord that's really good too. So you should be okay. So. Kyle Anderson, Joe Engels, those make my top two of the short list of players that I would go get. Yeah, so we definitely agree on the Kyle Anderson one. And I actually thought about Engels too, but I'll, I'll bring you somebody else just for the, the sake of content because you can never have enough of that. I, I think that I, I I still think about a guy we talked about last year. It's Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross is a streaky shooter. He's not going to be someone that's going to lock down somebody, but can he give you 20 on a given night when you know someone, one of the starters doesn't have it or has to sit? Absolutely. And he still fits the time match. I think he's only 29, still with 30. He just turned 30 or whatever. So he was drafting in 13, right? Yeah, yeah. No, 2012. He went that eighth, eighth overall. Um, he also went to Washington as well. You know, so we've had successful guys that came from Washington. Shout out, shout out to IT. But yeah, so I, I think those, those are two guys to think about. I think, I, and it's funny, Ingles probably is the prototypical guy to bring here. I can't say that I thought it when I was especially because I felt like, why would Utah look to get rid of him? But like, I, I didn't realize they were over attacks like that. So I guess Ryan Smith and D Wade and whoever the powers that be in Utah better figure it out over there money wise, or you're not going to have the team competing over there at energy at energy solutions arena, whatever it's called over there now. So yeah, that's something, but yeah, hell, <laughs> if you could talk to and get them, get him over there, why not? Someone that's going to shoot, someone that's not going to be afraid of the moment. He's, he's going to talk shit to Katie, going to talk shit to other 
guys that's on Eddie. Yeah, I think he would fit in Boston well. But yeah, Kyle Anderson, Terrence Ross are the world, but those are two guys I think about for sure that can kind of add that, especially if you don't think that the young talent you have off the bench can still help. Now, obviously, the best case scenario, yes, cheap talent develops. So Romeo develops, Neesmith develops, Pay Pritchard develops. That would be the best case scenario because obviously those guys are still on the contract. They still come on the cheap. And then at worst case scenario, they become trade ships and somebody else. And now their stock is, is super high, right? So that's what you ultimately hope for, right? You to kind of get the team in that way and bring back someone of, of, of all, at least all-star caliber, if not superstar caliber, right? So that that's the key. But yeah, we can get one of those, those guys that we mentioned. I'm sure there's guys that we haven't thought about that would be that would also fit well. And I thought Rudy Gay was someone that would have fit well as well, but he also went to Utah, you know, so. You know, and I, I can't take all the credit. I, I was listening. To, I, I was uh, reading Josue Pavone. You can find our, our, our talks with him in, in the show notes. There have been multiple. Uh, and he mentioned that, you know, the Jazz, because they signed Mike Conley and, and they added Rudy Gay, that they're well above the luxury tax. So it makes sense like a guy like why Joe Ingles would be available. Also, here's how I would perfectly construct this team, right? So let's just say that you're that the Boston Celtics are going to average 110 points a game, right? Offensively. I think 70 of those points are from your starters. Hopefully, 40 of those points should be from your bench. And I think that the people that we've both talked about uh, tonight perfectly illustrate uh, two combinations of people that will not only be able to put up points, but be able to hold the opposing team to from scoring more than 110. You need what we saw last year is you need bench scoring. So yes, if Pritchard and Nismith are getting better, awesome. Who's better to compliment them than a guy like Ingles, a guy like Terrence Ross, right? Those people are, you put them out there with your second squad and now your second squad is the equivalent of a subpar first team squad in the NBA. That's the dream. Right, exactly. I mean, and that's basically what, that's what our 2017, 2018 team right. is, right? Which is why they end up winning 55 games, right? You know, to get that blow early in the year, like really the first five minutes in the game, you lose going to Hayward and you still win 16 straight after that. <laughs> like you lose another game and you win 16 straight. Like, that was incredible. Yep. But yes, I get it. You still had Kyrie, you still had Orphan, you still had, you know, young Tatum, young Brown, and, you know, you know my guy T. Rose, right? You know, they had a hell of a second unit, right? As Marcus Morris, a senior, affectionately called the, the bench mob, right? They were the bench mob, but they would go ham on a nightly basis. Like, I was, I, when I get sad sometimes, I go back and watch those highlights. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I remember I, I watched recently, I watched the game in Portland when Morris hit the three. Um, you know, over, I forget who it was over, but I was like, man, like, and I know once again, Marcus Morris used to drive folks crazy too, but I'm like, he occasionally would get you 30 or get you 25 with someone else who wasn't doing something like, and he brought an edge. Like we've lost that by losing the certain guys we've lost in the last few years, even Allen included. Like people say, you know, he's, you know, soft spoken and, you know, some guy on, you know, one of these radio stations called him average Al. And, you know, once again, I don't want to burn any relationship, so we won't go. We won't put names out there, but you know, friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. Initials are LM. I don't, excuse me. You know, but I, I just like, you know, they lost that edge. And you need veteran relation. You need guys that are going to say, okay, you know what? What we're doing right now is not working. Let me go get a bucket. Let me go make a play defensively. Like something's going to get people going. So, and hopefully that's what Josh Richardson does. That's where I think fans are going to fall in love with Shooter. I just, I see that happening. He fits what people love about Boston type of players. So, you know, he, he, like I said, once again, 
the fact that he got into Kyrie's face last year, I know that alone is going to get Celtics fans on his side immediately until he's shooting 35% from three and he goes six to 18 and they say he's the worst player of all time because we're going to overreact over at the game one. I just know it because that's just how we are. We're going to do a show about it. And, you know, Craig is going to get on this for all the, the million F's bombs and, you know, trying to be a, a nice family, nice family, front, f- family friendly, family fun type of show, but there won't be, there will nothing to be friendly about that once they go 6-18. And it's like, oh, right, right. So we can't pass the ball. Oh, so he went 6-18, but had five assists. And the mice going to be on there. So, you know, Rashad, what was that about Baldwin when you talked about they were preaching about at the beginning of the year? I'm like, hey, man, I said, blame the coach. <laughs> In reality, though, I think Brad has done a, a really good job constructing a team that makes the most sense for the Celtics, right? I think uh, smart, if he's the starter, great. And then you have Peyton Pritchard, you have Schroeder, awesome. And now you, you just need a bench that will be able to give you 40 points a game. Because what we saw last year was that they did not have it. And now that may be because they were too young. That's fine. Whatever, develop them. We've seen in the summer league that Pritchard and Naismith, they're doing great things. Awesome. If that transitions to regular season games, then this team that, by the way, I had pegged to win 41 games this year is now somewhere around the 50 game win mark. And then it's a completely different ball game. But you need to solidify the defense on the bench and you need bench scoring. If you do that, then it's a, di- a completely different conversation. Yeah. And, it, and listen, if not, and once again, this shouldn't be something that turns it from making a move. But if they don't, you just have to be forced for, you know, our producer making more TikTok videos about how y'all make wild ass deals. So, you know, deal with it because it's coming. I'm here for that. I, 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 honestly, I'm here for it too. It's probably coming since we're getting for famous on TikTok now. Hey, I'll TikTok, <laughs> TikTok, TikTok, whatever. Just follow us, right? You know, that's something, you know, it doesn't matter what it's called, but just make sure. Maybe that's what it's called a cannon since we're blowing up over here. Maybe it's called Tic Tac over there. <laughs> exactly. So any final words what this season could be, you know, you know, do you think they use it to TB during the trade deadline or even they wait to next off season? Yeah, I think that so as it's currently constituted, Brad has done the best possible job that he could so far as a GM. I think that he is that he has solidified some of the things that were uh, weak points for the Celtics so far. As far as the TPE and Marcus Smart, if this train it has not left the station by the trade deadline, you better trade Marcus because his value will never be higher than it is this year, knowing that you have four and a half years of his services as a team that you're going to be trading him to. So. Yeah, I'm really happy about this. I think we we all identified that the guard position was probably the weakest point for the Celtics going into this offseason, and now it's not. It's a pretty good guard depth chart between now if, if Chris Dunn is who we think that he is and he, and he does play for the Celtics next year, I think there there have been rumors that he could be moved as well. But you've got Schroeder, you got Smart, you got Dunn, and you got Peyton Pritchard. But that is the dream because of it in of those four players that I just named, if you can't find 50 points and 25 assists per night, you're screwed. Then that's bad. So yes, as it's currently constituted, the Celtics have done everything that they need to do to position themselves as a better team. But if they come out of the gates slow, don't be surprised if Smart and a TPU is used around the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, and I listen, I hope that 
like to me, you know, Horseshoes has proven that he's willing to make moves, and like, he's getting close to me just calling him by his actual name going forward. Where I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what I've seen so far. So you know, we'll see. But yeah, and there's still a lot more work to do. It's, this just lets me know that they're still planning not to punt this season, like so many freaking fans are saying, like, yo. Everything is not absolute. Like, it's not a guarantee that Brooklyn wins. It's not a guarantee that the Lakers win. It's not a guarantee that the Clippers win. It's not a guarantee that Milwaukee goes back to back. So anything can happen. In the words of our 2008 champion, Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. So Celtics fans, I know it's hard for you. I, it's hard for me. It's hard for Mike. It's hard for Craig. It's hard for Joe. It's hard for, you know, for, for Bobby and DK to stay patient. But we we have to. Our time is coming. I don't know when, you know, like so, you know, but it's 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 coming. So, you know, just, you know, sit back, you know, try to enjoy the show. I, I know that's impossible for a lot of us because we just try to, you know, we try to just catapult them into winning immediately and you know, we get super impatient. But like I said, just sit back and enjoy the show. You know, good days are still still ahead. So so that would do it. So for Mike Margangelo, for our executive producer, Craig Delatajo, I'm your host for Sean Buchanan. And until next time, we'll see you. Peace. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Electricast.